Welcome to ContenderCast, a global leadership and consumer industries entrepreneurship podcast centered on shining a light on bright ideas. And now, here's your host, Justin Hahnemann. Thanks for listening. Thanks for tuning in. Thanks for downloading. It's Justin Hahnemann on the ContenderCast. We're shining a light on bright ideas. Today, we're in the world of cannabis again. Yes, I'm, I'm telling you, it's just such a booming and hot space. We have got to spend time on it. And there's just so much happening around the space. And you guys are going to love my guest today, Daniel Abrahami. He's the co-founder and CEO of a company called Headquarters. And they are like a launch pad for companies that are, are really getting started in this space. And and so we're going to dive into the, the industry around this and and talk about where we are today and where we're going um, in this market. So, Daniel, it's so great having you on the podcast. Thank you, Justin. No, it's great to be here. Dude, it's awesome. I had so much fun um, checking you out, learning, uh, seeing your background. I read some of the other interviews you've done in terms of the, the your story. And I mean, gosh, you've had some amazing experiences. And I want to start there. So you haven't been in the cannabis space forever, uh, although you have had a strong entrepreneurship background. But talk about your background and how you got to this this world, this this area. Yeah, yeah. So, I mean, I've had the entrepreneurship bug since uh, early on. Um, yeah, I come from a family of entrepreneurs. My grandfather was an entrepreneur. Uh, basically, grew up in in the family office. Um, you know, my my first stint at entrepreneurship is the stereotypical lemonade stand where I I learned a hard lesson there in, in terms of cost of goods and paying money back when I when I get money from my dad to go buy the actual lemonade. You know. Imagine splitting a $3 profit with your four cousins. <laughs> yeah, it didn't, didn't go well. That doesn't work well. Uh, no. <laughs> but, you know, <laughs> yeah, exactly. And so, you know, it's, I, I've always just kind of had that, that in me. And, you know, through, through high school, I was, uh, before AWS was even around, I was uh, reselling service space for, for gaming. I used to play Counter-Strike as a kid. Oh, wow. Um, I, I always resold paintball gear. <laughs> um, but, uh, but after, you know, as I've always kind of done that. And after college, I got into the family business um, where I actually, we were doing a, a mining of, of gemstones, of, of emeralds, and we were doing all the cutting and distribution around the world. Wow. Uh, we had offices in, in Colombia, Brazil, Ethiopia, Zambia, you name it. Um, and, but, you know, that was really on the kind of the loose gemstone side of things. And right away, I, I partnered with some friends. We started some manufacturing and actually manufacturing some, some uh, jewelry. We did, did a jewelry manufacturing company. But I've always, had been surrounded by cannabis um you know growing up in la it was, it was, it was around and <laughs> right. you know, i may or may not have explored <laughs> right. it early on but uh, <laughs> we are recording uh, right now but <laughs> yeah. i I, <laughs> I hope my mom and dad aren't listening right. uh, but you know they uh you know I've, I've had friends get involved in the industry um and in the, in the 215 era so you know there's the traditional we call it the traditional era um and I've always kind of kept an arm's length. I was a little scared, you know, I, sure. so I, I helped with the kind of the, the back office stuff, helping them stay as compliant as possible, do what taxes were available to do, um, you know, helping kind of with business development. Um, so I've always had my ear to the ground, did some light investing and, and helping them get off the ground. So I've always been surrounded by it. And when uh, when legalization in California came around, 
uh, that's when I decided to take the take the leap and and go full time into it. Wow! Start actually working with the flower itself. Sure, that's so. It's such an interesting space, and it's evolving very quickly. It's kind of funny, you know. You mentioned some of the the trepidation I'll, I'll say around this market. I think the consumer, the general consumer, even a lot of our listeners, you know, they they hear cannabis and they think pot they think of kind of the the history of what they grew up with of what it means and whatnot and it's evolved so quickly and it's become so such a actually great product in terms of what it, it is and what it means so where are we now in the market you know what and how quickly and has it changed and what are some of the big transitions that have happened yeah so you know i would say we're definitely not mainstream this industry is far from mainstream um, it's, it's, it's like for me, I'm, I'm, I'm in it. So, you know, I live and breathe it. And, you know, when somebody asks me, can I get high off CBD? I'm like, well, you don't know, but that's, that's <laughs> but the that's, case. I mean, majority of the world, <laughs> they don't know. <laughs> they do not know that. Right. Exactly. So we are far from mainstream. I mean, you know, people say, you know, talking about industries and innings, we are in the second inning. Got like it. we are, you know, legalization is it's not it's federal not federally legal so you know every state has its own laws every state has its own regulations even within states like in california i mean when legalization happened in california two-thirds of the municipalities outright banned cannabis activity wow. in their cities wow. so you you have a like a quad you still have this like quasi legal environment um, so you can't blame the consumers for being this educated, you know, uneducated in the matter. It's not like alcohol, like in wine, you kind of grow up with it, right? Sure. Like it's in your household. Your parents know how to talk about it, but majority of parents haven't consumed cannabis in years or say, or never consumed cannabis. So you're not growing up with the, that in-house education, um, and really, that's the big issues right now. And it's, so it's about how do you educate the consumer? And in the end, that starts with the brand. And that's why we really started headquarters. Wow, that's pretty awesome. Yeah, and uh, I love what you guys are doing in terms of being like an advisory group for others that are trying to build and launch brands in this space. Um, one of the interesting things I, I read when I was researching you and your, your business was that, you know, one of the things you had said was being first is not always best. Like a lot of, a lot of markets, like it's good to be the first mover, you know what I mean? To be the one that, that put the brand out there first. But I I was reading and you talked about some of the mistakes and whatnot that a lot of companies had to, to go through and, and almost you guys were almost like educating the cities and whatnot on how this, this whole market works. Talk about some of the early days of getting this going. Yeah. And being first in cannabis is probably one of the worst things you can do unless you have a blank, a blank check behind you, um, you know, to make lots of mistakes that are expensive. Uh, you know, it's, it's one of those things where, again, you have this uh, kind of conflict on the state level and then on the you know municipal level. And so, um, if, for example, we actually um, are partners in, in a pair of in a, some licenses in California. Um, and one city in Costa, the city of Costa Mesa, and they had a vote by the people, which was passed to allow manufacturing and distribution. Um, but the, the city officials themselves didn't know how to actually implement that. And in, and in government, no one gets fired for saying no. 
So, (laughs) you know, you go and ask Mark and he says, talk to John. And then I talk to John and John says, talk to Mark. And then it's like, okay, who do I actually talk to? So, you know, there were, it was almost as if these cities were scared to actually implement this. So, you know, quite frankly, for a while, there was a lot of companies in limbo that actually got through the licensing process, but can never actually build out their facilities. Wow. And this was happening throughout California. And then again, you're limited because you only have a third of the, of the municipalities actually allowing cannabis activity. Right. So, you know, you're, you're constantly going through this education and teaching and showing like this is just like any other widget. This is no different. You know, we, if, if anything, we have more state regulations and, and requirements on us that we're probably some of the safest industry to be you know, participating totally. in, in, a, in, in a city. Right. So totally it's it's been so you're, you're constantly, you know, it's, it's it's dragged out the process. It's a long process to go through everything. Um, it's an expensive process. You have to have a lot of lawyers, you know, you have to go, you have to jump through a lot of you know hoops to get to where you need to go. 280E, which is a federal tax issue you know you as an operator you can't deduct anything basically so you know it's extremely tax inefficient right so and when you're first in such an early early industry you're literally paving the way you're that guy with the machete in the jungle (laughs) just chopping down you know get you taking the brunt of it um and so you know that's why i say you know it's, it's it's one of the things where it's it's wise to kind of take a step back plan learn from what people are doing i mean you know look at what how canada is kind of like a dumpster fire right now they can't figure things out because they dumped a ton of money not understanding where this industry is moving and how fast it's going to move and so being first is not always the, the the wisest choice yeah well one of the cool things you guys have is you have a program with your company called launchpad which is a six-month program focused on like a 30 60 day pilot and then helping companies take go from idea to actual product on shelf which i mean for any entrepreneur out there is like oh my god i wish i had that for my you know business and whatever part they're in in the consumer product space how to, tell us about that program and how it's attracting um, customers and how you're deciding like who to work with. Yeah, yeah. So you know, the one of the as an as an entrepreneur, right? You 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 want to be in an environment that can help support your growth, right? And and if you're if you're in an environment like in the current kind of cannabis environment, it's it's extremely high barriers to entry. It's extremely difficult to operate in. Um, the industry is still very small in California, so it's highly relational. So if you think about it, there's only in, in, in the massive state of California, we still have under 900 legal dispensaries, right? That's including delivery. Wow. The magic number for California is 3,000. So we're way off, wow. right? So, you know, just through relationships, you, you know buyers and the owners of all these dispensaries. So. You know, that, that, that barrier to entry is extremely difficult. And, and I truly believe in the next generation of, of cannabis brands and products, um, which are less so flower focused and more formulation focused. So the wellness stuff, you know, Interesting. You talk about all these different cannabinoids and, sure. you know, using science to develop these products. I believe in that. But that is a smaller segment of the market right now. So it's it's harder to get into stores. It's harder to convince buyers to give you shelf space for it. So unless you're you know well capitalized again and you can buy that shelf space, right? And you have those marketing dollars, then you have you have you know a better access point. But other than that, you're kind of stuck in high and dry. And you know early on, 
um, about three years ago, I started going a lot to Israel and looking at what they were doing and, you know, the science behind what they were doing. And it was just blew my mind how like, this is, this is the next phase of, of cannabis. Mm. What's different but there? When what's, I would talk to them. Well, so they've been medic, they've been medical for over 40 years. But and when I say medical, it's not the California medical where I go to Venice Beach and say, hey, doc, I can't sleep. <laughs> it, it's like it, it, it's, you know, the patients count went from like 500. And it, it, I think now it just hit 30,000 patients. It's through the it's through the hospitals in collaboration with the universities. So they have tons of data. And Dr. Mishulon is like the famous doctor that that isolated T, the THC compound 40 years ago. Got it. Um so they, they have a ton of data that they're sitting on and, you know, different indications that they're trying to solve for uh, using cannabis and just the, the different things that I was seeing. I was like, wow, this is literally the future is like using these minor cannabinoids to solve specific problems. Um, and when I would talk to them, I'm like, I, we need to bring this to California. We need to bring it to the U.S. They said, oh, we would love to. And I was like, why haven't you? Said, well, it's too hard for us, too expensive. How are we going to do it? You know, we don't. There's no GMP facilities. There's no infrastructure to support us. Like, it would cost a lot of money. So that's really when it started kind of, the wheels started turning. And we wanted to build this bridge between, you know, innovation and bringing it into California. Um, and to really just tear down those barriers to entry. Because without that, the system around you to support your growth, you know, these smaller brands, these smaller companies, the entrepreneurs are going to have a really hard time you know, getting into market. Makes sense. Now talk about the elements of your program. So as, as a company or an entrepreneur comes into that, what, what are the different phases or steps that they, they go through with you and your team? Yeah. So the, the launch pad is a six month program. Um, we go through the ideate phase the develop phase and, and the pilot phase. Um, and the whole point is to get to a proof of concept as quickly and as cheaply as possible. So, you know, spending $2 million and waiting two years to get your licenses and everything going, those days are gone, right? We want to Got understand it. if you have product market fit as quickly as possible. So that first phase, ideate, um, you know, we go through the process of really understanding, you know, what the product is that the entrepreneur or the, the founder or the company wants to launch, uh, who are the consumers going deep into the data, um, we have some very interesting internal data capabilities where we really help identify the consumer, and, you know, because we believe everything in terms of, you know, this is a consumer product. Sure. It has to start with the consumer. Absolutely. So we go deep into that process and that's about, takes about a month. That influences everything else. So for the next three to four months, maybe five months, we are going through helping develop the brand develop identifying uh the supply chain which is really important we have our vetted supply chain that we plug everybody into um starting to develop what product that would be uh develop the go-to-market go-to-market strategy the sales strategy setting the company up for that success everything you would need to do to you know get ready to launch a product sure um and then that all culminates into creating a small production of products and actually piloting in stores. Oh, wow. Um, and that's 30 to 60 days in stores. You know, we, we work to get you in three to five stores um, where we're working with, you know, working to understand the feedback from the consumer and also from the buyers, right? Getting to figuring out what, what needs to change in order to actually scale this thing correctly. And we don't just 
sit there and you know talk to consumers and say, what do you think about the packaging? We want to know what's happening in in their house, how they're consuming it, where are they storing this, what do they think about it? Because that changes, you know, that perspective is extremely important in, in, in a consumer good, right? So, sure. um, and after all that, once we, you know, take in all the data, we hit the drawing board and we say, okay, now we know how we need to actually scale this thing. So the, the company can say, okay, now I can justify spending a million dollars to, to totally. scale this product or go out and raise, you know, to help scale this product. It's interesting. One of the reasons that, I mean, when I got your information initially, I, w- I of course was interested in your business and entrepreneur background and whatnot, but, or, and I should say, um, one of the things that you highlighted, um, was just how you guys use data to drive the business. And I, I don't want to say it was different. It was, I, I thought unique and important. And so has that always been a priority for you or is it something you figured out as you have grown the business that the importance of data and the consumer and the, and, and, and that is part of your overall process? Data from the beginning, we knew we wanted to kind of be a data first company. Love right? that. Um, I love that. Th- and that kind of comes from my, my side hustles, I guess you could call it growing up in college, sure. launching like online businesses and, and websites. Right. I always kind of leveraged what I can from the Google analytics and whatever Facebook ads I was doing and, and all that. So data was kind of this was really important when we were doing this. And, and early on, one of our partners in headquarters, Corey Jones, uh, he brought to the table this, this very unique data capabilities, uh, that we're partnering with him on now, which starts to analyze social media interactions, um, based off of specific brands and, and consumers. So let's say, uh, a company comes to us, we're launching an, a new brand and they say our closest competitor is X. We would take X's, um, uh, social media following and sure. analyze all their actions socially. Got it. And what that starts to do is starts to paint a picture of all the categories that they're interested in and who those specific influencers or publications or podcasts are that actually are relevant to that consumer. Totally. And that starts to give us a deep, deep understanding of, of, uh, who our consumer is, what they like. And it kind of gives us a, you know, a plan, a a roadmap of how we're going to roll this out. So we use that in the beginning of everything. You know, it's, it's so important to understand that. And because, you know, we can get the data that says like, okay, 26 year old male makes $75,000 a year, uh, lives in, you know, Santa Monica. Okay, cool. But if I take <laughs> right. those two and like, you know, one might love heavy metal and right. one might be, you know, one might love hip hop, right? Totally different consumer, different interests. So you can't just generalize a 26 year old male making $75,000 a year living no. in Santa Monica. No, it's so important. I think, I mean, for those listening that, uh, you know, have thought about launching your own business and I mean, the importance of data and insights is it's, you know, you don't just create a product and it sells, uh, you know, automatically on a shelf. Um, it's just so key. That's yeah. one of the, I just think that's so, such a great takeaway. Um, so talk about what's next, um, where you're going and what are the keys to your growth? Like in terms of how you're helping companies, especially over the next six to 12 months. Yeah, so you know, we actually just finished our pilot program for the launch pad. We were onboarding our first few companies um, 
through this, the whole, it started actually when, when COVID started and we navigated that whole terrain. Um, and now we're officially opening it up to, to more companies. Awesome. Um, so that has been our, our complete focus is, is the launch pad. You know, we are work, constantly working to add more tools to our, to our shed, uh, to enable us to, you know, provide more capabilities to these companies. Um, cause we really want to provide an ecosystem that can support their growth whether it be through our supply chain partners or through special debt financing to help, you know, for, uh, you know, really explode the, you know, their growth. Um, we're, we're constantly looking to add those different tools because we really feel like the industry and the growth of this industry is all on the brands themselves because Got it. the consumers are going to get their, their education through the brands. And if, if, if the status quo stays as is, you know, these new brands won't have, won't be able to get into the market and you'll have, you know, these more traditional brands kind of communicating their, their normal stuff. And that newer, newer consumer that is, which is the Holy grail for everybody. I don't think, I don't see them being comfortable enough to purchase and, you know, purchase those products. So we need new brands in the market and we need to give them that, that support system to do that. Right. And build the awareness around it. Um, that's so key. Exactly. Share with us like one or two lessons learned, uh, you know, you, whether it be from helping companies grow, what, what have you seen or the, the keys, you know, like, again, just some coaching and insight that you can share with other entrepreneurs listening that uh, either you've learned yourself or you've learned from working with some of the companies. Yeah. Yeah. So uh, the number one lesson that I've learned is that, you know, my assumptions mean nothing. You know, if, if I'm not constantly talking to my target demographic, my consumer, my customer, I'm going to constantly be making mistakes and expensive mistakes, especially when you're talking about in cannabis. So, you know, just it's like what you kind of touched on earlier, just kind of putting something out there does not mean they will come. Right. Um, and that has <laughs> been kind of the, the, the biggest issue for a lot of the brands out there. And I can't, you know, I get, I get a lot of phone calls from brands that have done that and then are now looking for a fix. But totally. Kind of, you know, too late. They already spent all their money on inventory. Um, you know, so that's, that's, you know, the number one, but the, the, one of the other most important things is, is to stay as lean as possible. And that's, Mm, you know, again, kind of comes back to why we wanted to launch the launch pad is because cannabis is a very expensive product, right? You can, you have this, you have two groups, you have one group that, that everything needs to be, um, vertical, Right. They need to have their grow. They need to have their distribution and manufacturing. They need, they need to go through the whole thing. That's extremely expensive to do. And you are betting the, you're betting the house when you do that. Um, where I think quite the opposite. I think stay as lean as possible. Come in, get a better understanding of, you know, who, who wants your product, how they are, receive your product. And then as you build up, yeah, the margins will be slower, will be slimmer. But you can add to that, right? You, sure. you can always build your own cultivation if you need to, but you don't need to go through that long process in the beginning. Oh, that's awesome. Yeah, it's funny on the on your first point. I mean, and we've had other entrepreneurs on this podcast talking about, you know, just because you make a product and get it into a store doesn't mean it's going to sell because people don't know what it is. And then it, you're stuck. It could come <laughs> exactly. back to you. That inventory might be coming back your way. So it's, it doesn't work like that. I, I'm allergic to inventory. I don't like inventory, but it's like catch 22, <laughs> you know. Um, where yeah. can our l- listeners find you, connect with you and whatnot? 
Yeah, I'm on, I'm on LinkedIn at Daniel Abrahami. Also, our LinkedIn, our company page, uh, headquarters. Um, on Twitter, headquarters on uh, at we are your HQ. Um, and our website is can, C-A-N-N-H-Q.com. Love it. Dude, this has been great having you on. Um, thanks for helping us, you know, get more of a grasp of this industry. There's so much happening. Like, I, if I have you back on in a year, it'd be like the stories will be even different. So, uh, we, we definitely need to oh, stay yeah. in touch, have you back on, man. I'd love that. I would definitely be happy to. All right, man. Thanks so much. Thank you. The Contender Cast is sponsored by Henderson Shapiro Peck and powered by Contender Brands. You can download additional ContenderCast episodes directly via Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Amazon Music, Spotify, iHeartMedia, YouTube, and other preferred podcast platforms. If you would like to be a guest on the ContenderCast, connect with us at ContenderCast.com. This is Brian Benson reminding you that every winner started as a contender.